Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, Arizona State's football season has come to an end at 5-7. and seven, The Sun Devils dropping six straight games to end the year, culminating with a 56-35 loss in the Territorial Cup to the Arizona Wildcats. And even though things were going south for ASU over the latter half of the season, even though the Sun Devils struggled mightily with injuries in October and November, I don't think either of us could have foreseen or foreshadowed the way that Arizona State played on Friday night in the Territorial Cup on Tucson. Just a completely disastrous performance for ASU and really calling into question a lot a lot of the things about the direction of this program under head coach Todd Graham. So to start off this episode, I just want to hear your initial thoughts on how ASU played on Friday night and what ASU can do uh, to recover from uh, what really seems like a debilitating loss like that. Well, we definitely didn't see it coming because both of us predicted an ASU win in Tucson. You had Arizona uh, 0-8, one of the worst Pac-12 teams that we've seen in recent years. Of course, ASU had lost five games in a row heading into that. But you just thought, Kerry, given that ASU played reasonably okay for stretches uh, against Washington State, against Utah, clearly better teams, that ASU was going to be able to go down there and, and put together enough of a, of a performance to uh, be competitive, if not win, and, and neither one of those things happened. Of course, that was Todd Graham uh, said himself the most embarrassing performance of the, of the era since the five years of, of his tenure at the school. I, I would go beyond that and say that was probably the most humiliating loss that ASU's had, at least dating to Dennis Erickson and maybe even going beyond that. And, um, at this point, you have to really do ask where things are at with the Sun Devils. Um, this is the worst defense that we've seen in the Graham era. Of course, last year was a really bad defense prior to this. Uh, not just bad in, in in that context, but but just, just really bad. Uh, when you look at nationally, the second worst pass defense in history. Um, ASU has gave up more yards um, this year than I can ever remember, 520 yards uh, a game. And uh, and there's a disconnect seemingly between Todd Graham and Keith Patterson that's really present in the program right now. Uh, who's really in charge? To what degree? Do they want to do the same things? I, I think th- those... Uh, the answer to that is is that there's just not uh, a defense that's really on the same page. They've tried different things this season that haven't worked. Uh, and then what I really took away from that Friday night performance was, for the first time, cracks in the armor in terms of uh, the, the effort. Even in a competitive game, ASU down seven points, guys not really finishing plays or maybe not even being there at the start of plays and guys being in the wrong places, freelancing, trying to do others' jobs. And uh, and it just completely broke down in a way that um, makes you question just what's going on overall uh, in the program. And certainly there's plenty of, of issues on the offensive side of the football, but I, but, um, I, I think that if you had even a decent defense this year, 
even with the injuries, you probably still would have had seven, eight wins. You would have been able to use this as the first year uh, for of Chip Lindsey as offensive coordinator. You have a young offensive line, first-year quarterback, all that. And there would have been some things to build off of. But, w- but what happened with the defense and where that is at right now is really in shambles. And it presents a lot of questions about what the future is going to look like. Arizona had not scored 28 points in a game since playing Washington earlier in the season back in September. They had not scored more than 28 points in a game since really beating Hawaii in non-conference play. And the Wildcats had 28 points in each half against ASU. And in the second half, probably could have even had more. Uh, Arizona made it look really easy. A school record, 511 rushing yards, 588 total yards. The Wildcats only had 19 first downs because... The explosive plays were all over the place. They were to be had on just about every series. ASU ended up running 42 more plays than Arizona in that game. Wow. But Arizona averaged one point per game. And defensively for ASU— One point per play. One one point per play, excuse me. Defensively, on certain plays, especially on those big 50-, 60-yard runs that happened throughout the course of the game, it looked like ASU's players were giving up. Yeah. Do you still have that list of the— the long yards that ASU gave up on. I mean, it was, it, I've never seen anything like that. And it was almost like just surreal experience and, and, um, but yet expected and, and yet almost in disbelief at the same time, because it wasn't even like these plays were some, uh, things that you would not be prepared for or difficult type things. It's, you know, simple sweeps, zone read, zone QB read. power. Yeah. And, um, you know, like they didn't even fake the bubble on blocking on the one that, that, that Lyle Mokiel and Armand Perry both jumped, uh, to the flat receiver and the other receiver just went right by him. It's just, uh, really embarrassing things and should, should never be the case at this level of football. Um, I don't really know what to make of it other than to say that it it seemed very evident to me that you had guys that weren't all the way there in terms of their focus level, their preparation, their intensity, their, their effort. Uh, and, and how can that possibly be the case in a territorial cup? You know, especially when you're, you're fighting for, uh, a bowl game, Todd Graham talks so much about what the importance of his seniors has meant to him. This is really the first crop that he's taken all the way through, including a red shirt year for, for some of the freshmen. And then the tenets of your program being really founded on discipline, assignment soundness, buy-in, doing your 111th, all of these things that get preached and talked about over and over and over again. I feel like guys started to tune it out and I think that there were people that just maybe had had enough at this point in the season or maybe at this point in their careers, at this point in in the, the Graham era. And that manifested in the ugliest win, the ugliest loss, pardon me, that we've seen uh, from by Arizona State in many years. Well, one of the tenets of the Todd Graham era has always been turning teams, opposing offenses Uh, one-dimensional, and they want to take away the run. ASU has always had a strong run defense under Todd Graham, or at least 
schemed to have a strong run defense under Todd Graham. The Sun Devils entered this weekend with the worst passing defense in the country, and if Arizona had put together even a mediocre passing performance, the Sun Devils would have had the worst passing defense in college football history. Instead, ASU will have the second worst passing defense in college football history, second only to the Cal Golden Bears 2014 squad, and that's because Brandon Dawkins, the Wildcats quarterback, was 3-for-8 for 77 yards through the air and did not attempt a pass in the second half against ASU. That's 3-of-8 just in the first half. And Arizona only ran the ball in the second half, still managed 28 points, still managed 300 yards probably. That is unbelievable. And you know, when you know that they're not going to even throw the ball, and yet you're still unable to scheme in a way to stop the five or six types of run plays that they're running. It's not complicated. Tagram said himself that it wasn't like we were surprised in any way, shape, or form by what they were doing. Well, if that's the case, and then then how do you not get guys in the right position to be able to stop it or at a minimum prevent the long runs? Okay, maybe it's one thing if you're giving up five to 10 yards a play, right? But how do you, how do you when you know that they're going to run every time, how do you not force Arizona to have drive sustainment and push you down the field and take 20 yards, 20 plays to score a touchdown? Because uh, ASU's offense didn't have a good game and especially had no semblance of a run game. But Manny Wilkins was still completing a big majority of his throws and was thrown for threw the ball too many times. But ASU was able to move the ball to some degree when it wasn't shooting itself in the foot with penalties and guys making mistakes up front. But um, I just don't understand it. I don't think there's any excuse for it. Todd Graham said it's a really inexcusable thing that happened in the game. But that's just something that you, that isn't going to really appease people when you're being paid $3 million a year to uh, put forth a, a good product and especially to have that type of a, a breakdown in the game that Graham himself has called the most important game annually for his program uh, and likely prevented their ability to get the extra practices from a bowl game, bowl bid. Uh, it's really, uh, the, the program is basically in shambles at this point. I think, I think that's not, uh, that's not an understatement. That's not being, um, you know, I'm not hyping anything or, or, or it's just the reality of it. You have Graham saying that we need to figure things out. Well, that means you don't have it figured out, and clearly they, they don't. And I don't know that they are going to be able to just necessarily uh, make some tweaks in here and there. It's not like some minor thing that, that, that you have. You have a total program overhaul that needs to happen here uh, in terms of all of your procedures and practices and the things that you do and how you're looking at things and the way you're playing. And that's that's a that's a multi-month, if not many-month sort of a thing, and even that may or may not work. We talked about the surprising lack of effort because it was really the first time we've seen something like that during the Graham era down the stretch run of the season where players would give up 
on certain plays. But one of the striking things to me in watching back all those explosive plays that Arizona was able to rack up against ASU on Friday night is the schematic approach that ASU took against an Arizona offense that finished the Pac-12 even at 1-8 and eight in Pac-12 play. The Wildcats still led the conference in rushing offense. You knew that Arizona was going to run the ball, yet on certain plays, ASU would only have a six-man box. It would not have someone up over the center. It would allow its linebackers to get hooked by guards. And the schematic approach to me was startling in especially for a coach who prides himself on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I didn't see or understand the lack of adjustments to what was happening. Todd Graham said we were getting hooked uh, and just getting outflanked and all these things that are, that seem obvious that you would then commit extra defenders to the box to be able to take away what was happening at the point of attack. Um, Salam Mofizo and DJ Calhoun clearly had as bad a games as they've probably had in their careers. And a lot of it was because you had offensive guards or just linemen in general getting to their level and being able to get on them as ball carriers were running right by them. And, and so that, that's not, that's not what should be happening if you're getting an extra couple guys in there who are able to be free to make the plays on the ball carrier when you have to account for both the quarterback and the, the, the handoff. Uh, so, um, and ASU has had some ability to adjust defensively as games have gone on in the past. And and so that, that made this even a little bit more perplexing of a result and just an overall event. It's not as if Arizona is running a different scheme than it has been. If Todd Graham is familiar with one coach in the Pac-12, it's Rich Rodriguez and that style of offense. And they've been successful against against Exactly. It. They've won three out of four games. Um Brandon Dawkins had a, a good game against ASU and Tempe in 2015. He threw it, for 300 yards. It was mostly game. through the air, right? They he threw, he ran for 74 yards. Mm-hmm. He got sacked eight times. Um, this was something totally different. And and again, it it given the lack of discipline, guys celebrating in um, at the wrong times, and and uh, a disconnect that seems very obvious between Graham and Patterson. You see it on the sidelines or you you see it in, in, in behind the scenes and kind of the way things are going with the program. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about some of this in, in the premium podcast that will follow. But um, there's just real, serious, deeply rooted issues that are going to have to be resolved and that, um, in my opinion, will likely have to include some sort of a change in roles or a turnover in staff. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, Manny Wilkins, ASU's sophomore quarterback, throws 43 completions for 58 attempts, 372 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. On the surface, that's not a bad day at the office. Wilkins, additionally, 23 rushing attempts for 79 yards. And so many of those rushing attempts were on attempted dropbacks where Wilkins was improvising. So you're you're looking at the likelihood of ASU calling a pass play 70 times or more against an Arizona defense that hasn't stopped anyone this season. 
The Wildcats' offense can move the ball from time to time. Like I said, the top rushing team in the Pac-12. But this Arizona defense was truly awful this year. Apparently not as bad as ASU's. But there's no excuse to be calling 70 pass plays. It, it, it just demonstrates the lack of faith ASU had in its run game throughout the course of the season and its inability to move the ball on the ground. Absolutely. Um, 98 plays is an unbelievable number for a team that scored 31 points. Uh, and that's that's not for a good. team that wasn't really even running a tempo offense to or, run ninety eight plays. Not 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 thirty one points. Thir- what did they have? Thirty five. Thirty five points. Pardon me, but um, average five yards a play. But then you look at things a little bit more deeply, and you see that Demario Richard and Kalen Balage had seven carries apiece for a net total between the two of forty seven yards. Fourteen carries, forty seven yards. Well. That's not going to get it done. What what we talked about in the podcast last week was how ASU ran the ball really successfully in its three wins over Arizona and didn't win the ball, didn't run the ball successfully in its one loss, 2014 in Tucson. Last year, people will remember uh, Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj both ran for over 100 yards in the game, and ASU just ran up the score on Arizona this year. There was a clear lack of confidence early on in their ability to run the football. Manny Wilkins completed a, a, a relatively high percentage of his throws, as you said. A lot of those were just the the standard bubble screens to the perimeter, run replacement type throws. Not nothing that's really necessarily explosive, uh, and that's why the completion percentage was so high. My personal opinion is that Manny Wilkins didn't really play that good of a game. Uh, I think that he missed a lot of opportunities. I think he scrambled prematurely. I think there was down and distance situations. I look at um, I look at what happened on the interception that he threw. That was a first and ten, where he threw into double coverage to the slot receiver down the field when it was clear that there was a single high safety who was coming over, and that was going to be a clear double team situation. He didn't, didn't see it. Um, that came one play after. Uh, there was a uh, pass interference on a target for Nikhil Harry where he was totally covered. Uh, there was open receivers that Wilkins didn't see, including check downs. As, as there was one play where Kalen Balaj could have easily run for a first down, if not more. Instead, Wilkins decided to run the football. Um, I, I see a quarterback who at this stage of his development uh, is does not see the field as well as he was going to need to see the field in order to be very successful in, in the Pac-12 or beyond. And um, the that that issue is further hampered by his tendency to want to scramble and, and run, something we've talked about a lot, of course. And it really only gets improved upon by a commitment to forcing yourself to go through your progressions to hit to hit check downs. You know you have to almost have to operate as though um, you don't have that scramble ability. And certainly, without question, ASU's offensive line has done a, a poor job. Did a poor job this season. Uh, ASU finished last in the Pac-12 in sacks allowed. You had a lack of continuity because not only did you have four new starters there, uh, you had. Uh, injuries and other absences uh, that forced you to reshuffle that lineup around uh, in a way that really wasn't productive. You had young players that really um, 
struggled at times this season, uh, and even veterans. Uh, you look at Stephon McCray, he had a bad game against Arizona, his final game. That's unfortunate for him as a senior, a guy who's really bought into the program, has been really nice and engaging in all of our interactions with him, but I'm sure that he wishes that he had played better uh, in that game, his last one, as a Sun Devil. And, and so those those things exacerbate the, the, the problems that you have at quarterback right now. Of course, ASU uh, had injuries at receiver that are pretty pronounced. That's why you have Fred Gamage, who's even on the field enough to get targeted uh, as much as he did to get a career-high 12 catches uh, for 116 yards and a touchdown. He had a, he had a great game, Kerry. I mean, the, the uh, but but the, the most memorable play that he, that he had maybe of his career is that back corner touchdown fade from Manny Wilkins working from the slot where two defenders – uh, he splits both of them, and neither one of them goes with him. Fred Gamage is open by about 10 or 15 yards, and instead of taking a little bit off the football and just throwing it to where Fred Gamage could just catch the ball flat-footed, Manny Wilkins apparently didn't see that, still threw the ball as if Gamage was, was going to be well-defended, and he had to go and, and make an acrobatic catch and get one foot down just inside of, of, of the white line. And, and so... Uh, for Fred Gamage, that's a great way to go out in his career. Uh, former walk-on who did everything that would be asked of him and, and earned a scholarship, and uh, it was a great performance. But then it also is a, a play that speaks to uh, how early Manny Wilkins is in his development as a quarterback and the challenges that he has moving forward if he is going to be the guy to lead ASU into the future. And that, I think, has to be an open question at, at this point. We're about two weeks shy of the five-year anniversary of Todd Graham being hired as the head football coach at ASU. And in his introductory press conference for the Sun Devils, he said a few things. He said that ASU was going to be built on its defense. He said that the offense would be based in the run game. Both of those things were just completely exposed against the Arizona Wildcats. The Sun Devils could do nothing defensively to stop Arizona, and they had no faith in their run game. And he also said a third thing. He also said that the program would have a foundation of discipline. And through four and a half years or so with the Sun Devils, Graham really did have a program founded on discipline. The Sun Devils ranked up with the service academies in terms of their penalty yardage and uh, in terms of their discipline on the field. And ASU finishes the season with a total of 26 penalties over the course of its final three games of the regular season, including eight for 61 yards in the loss against Arizona. And after the game, Graham said, we had too many penalties. We had so many penalties tonight. Just undisciplined stuff. That's three straight games. We've had eight and nine penalties, and that's totally uncharacteristic of our program. We had a lot of procedure penalties. And to me, that that is perhaps the biggest alarm for ASU. It's one thing if you can't play defense. It's one thing if you can't play offense. But to not be able to play either and to not even be able to line up correctly, those are some deeply rooted issues. Absolutely. And the, the question now is, what is their identity? What is their philosophy? Um, as I said earlier, you have guys celebrating at inopportune times on defense. You have guys freelancing. You have guys committing penalties. Um, and you can't play the style that you want, that aggressive pedal-to-the-metal approach on defense because you don't have the personnel because you didn't recruit the personnel. Uh, and 
and yet you're not having success when you play a more conservative approach. And so now it's like really back to the drawing board in a lot of respects and, and the penalties and the disciplinary issues, it really, to me, hints at guys not being as invested as they were previously. And, and, and Graham is a, he has a militaristic type of an approach to his program, a very regimented structure, um, talks about all the time, the high standards that go above and beyond what exists in other programs and how guys get suspended and pe- penalized. You wouldn't even, he says, you wouldn't even believe it if you knew some of the reasons that guys didn't play or, or you know, were in trouble in, in our program. Well, I think that that works when you're having success, but when you don't have success and things are breaking down, then you start to have guys who are questioning why that they're, why all these things exist, why, why this is the way that we're operating. Uh, and then it becomes, do I want to still be involved in that? And that's when you start to have the breakdowns that we're seeing. When There's only so much that a lot of these guys are going to take right or wrong in this sort of a style. And we've, it's not just something that we've seen from, from Graham. It's like Jim Harbaugh has gone through this and he's one of the best coaches in the game. And there's many more examples of coaches who have ridden their players really hard and been, had that type of a program and then have it to where it kind of petered out in terms of the buy-in Charlie strong. There's another good example. Some numbers to put this season in perspective. In 2015, ASU goes six and seven, and this five and seven season for ASU is only a game worse, but it feels so much different this year. And I think that a lot of the statistics that we're about to read will show you exactly why it feels different for the Sun Devils. Of course, they lose six in a row, but ASU goes two and seven in Pac-12 play this year. That's the worst they've been under Todd Graham, fifth in the South. Is ASU's worst finish under Todd Graham. ASU had a scoring offense that had a 33.3 points per game, but early in the season, through the first five games of the year, the Sun Devils were leading the conference at 48 points per game. That's a 15-point drop-off over the course of the final seven games. The Sun Devils' scoring defense this year finished at 39.8 points per game. That's six points worse than the 2015 season. These are just points per game. You want to get into total yardage. ASU's offense this year, 390.8 yards per game on average. That's 80 yards worse, almost 90 yards worse than last season. It's total defense, 520 points per 520 yards per game is nearly 60 yards worse than last season. So these statistics just really reveal the cracks in the foundation, as you said. Yeah, and there's nothing. All you got to do is look at the numbers. The numbers of where ASU's program is at are really bad. And so obviously you're not going to win games. And and neither one of us, Kerry, expected ASU was going to go out and have a great season this year. We knew that it was a transitional uh, sort of a thing, and, and a lot of the talent on the roster was young, and, and st- we still believe that, but but they've, they've gone in the wrong direction. As the season wore on, they probably got worse, and they did, I, think, I think objectively they, they did get worse. Um, they and, and really in a multifaceted way, it's like their, their uh, yards per play on offense is about as bad as anyone in the Pac-12 maybe last. Uh, their defense giving up more yards than just about any – 
power conference team in the country, probably worst. Um, and then you, you have all these the cracks in the armor, as you mentioned, with the discipline and uh, the team being on the same page. Manny Wilkins spoke to that. Remember the quote that he had after the game? I got it here. He talked about um, how the, the players need to continue to be self selfless uh, he says quote i think we have to do a good job and continue to better ourselves as people before football players and realize that this is more than a game through these situations it's easy for a team to come apart obviously we're on a losing streak so it's easy for a team to fall apart not be pros not be teammates and start pointing fingers it'll show a lot about our character just going out there and staying united well I don't know that you're saying those things if you are united and if you are all together and all on the same page. Because well, then you're talking about fixing your, your offense, playing better on offense or, or playing better on defense. Yes. You're not talking about just having a better locker room. That that that's, speaks to offense being unhappy with defense or vice versa or, or certain players unhappy with other players. Um, and that's kind of the natural instinct is when you things are going really bad you lose six games in a row first time that's happened for Tagram ever as a head coach uh people are going to start to say well why and who's to blame when really there's enough blame to go around everywhere and um i don't know how you resolve this without making some significant changes uh whether that's coaching, whether that's approach, protocol, scheme, what have you, or maybe all of the above. 2012 was Todd Graham's first season. ASU went 8-5 and five. that year. The Sun Devils were built on their defense. They gave up 350.8 yards per game total defense. Wow. This season, ASU gave up 357.4 yards per game via the air. That's just through the pass. More they, yards passing allowed than they gave up in total in Tigram's first year in 2012. The Sun Devils that season gave up under 25 points per game. In 2013, a 10-win season, they gave up 26.6 points per game. In 2016, 39 points per game. You look at penalties, ASU's fourth in the conference. That's the worst in the Todd Graham era. Turnover margin, 11th in the conference at minus four. That's the first time they've had a negative turnover margin. That's the worst in the Todd Graham era. You could go on and on, but I think that 2012 stat about total yards given up and the 2016 stat about passing yards given up really speaks to the way this program has devolved this season. And let's look at, and this is something I want to, we're going to get into a little bit more also in the premium podcast to follow, but let's look at how this league has evolved in in those years. Um, Mike Leach arrived at the same time as Todd Graham. He's just starting to get his sea legs in those early years, and now they're really rolling. Uh, you have Chris Peterson at Washington who comes in. Uh, you, you, Mike McIntyre, Colorado, changes his offensive philosophy to go to more of the air raid type stuff. Um, really across the board, Kerry, we're seeing much more air raid, uh, quick passing, pass or pass heavy, uh, or at least the ability to be pass heavy. Todd Graham, as you said, is 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 a, a defense that's built to stop the run first. He's really hyper focused on that, and 
what we've seen as these offenses have matured in the Pac-12 and gotten better at not needing to run the football successfully at times or, or throughout uh, large stretches or of games or entire seasons or even at all in the case of maybe like a Washington State or a Cal can still put up a lot of points without it. Um, you have to almost revisit that philosophy um, because I think Todd Graham – after losing to Stanford in the Pac-12 title game and, and several other times early in, in his tenure, uh, he sees that the road to the Pac-12 championship runs through Stanford, so he starts to then think about how we need to play to beat Stanford. But in doing so, maybe you take your eye off the ball, which is this increasing emergence of all these air raid schemes that have proliferated college football and the Pac-12 and their inability to have – success against them you look earlier in the season at luke falk for example uh washington state asu forced washington state into one of the best run defensive performances in asu history and yet luke fox after the game says that doesn't matter to us they completed 80 something percent of their passes and just easily threw the ball all over the football field and had success um so so you have to look at why you're doing some of the things that you're doing to, as far as committing guys to blitzing or pressuring and trying to jam up the run while atta- getting to the quarterback when you're creating one-on-one situations that the uh, that an opponent is being able to exploit over and over and over again. And when you have no redundant help on the back end in a way that leads to you being last nationally in 30-plus yard uh, plays allowed uh, as ASU has been in each of the last two seasons. Now, looking at this program right now after the season, the Sun Devils got word of their first transfer. Uh, that happened uh, yesterday, Sunday, as four-star running back Jason Lewis, uh, redshirt freshman who was one of the top scout recruits of the Graham era that he signed, announced his intention to transfer from the program. What do you take away from that, and are there more transfers to follow? I think the writing was on the wall with Jason Lewis. There was frustrations on both sides of the equation Uh, ASU coaches we saw regularly in practice particularly in spring ball and camp when there's a little bit more access there was a a effort to try to get Jason Lewis to run harder uh, to be more physical at the second level when he had when he had those opportunities there was some some questions about his ability to be a full service player to be a max pro back to handle all the different kind of assignments that uh, the, the players were put into he was a late academic qualifier which led to him being behind the curve last year of course you have Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard those guys were deeply entrenched as your your top two in the depth chart so there wasn't going to be a lot of opportunities for Jason Lewis but then Nick Ralston uh, who lost a lot of weight streamlining his physique and even though he's a lighter player is probably a more physical runner uh, and definitely a more consistent habit type of a guy in a practice setting from what we've seen 
was ahead of Jason Lewis on the depth chart, meaning Jason Lewis was fourth. He wasn't dressing for some games or he was suspended for one game. There was definitely behind the scenes some things that were going on there. You could tell via some of his social media posts that there seemed to be a lack of contentedness completely with uh, how things were unfolding in his career. And what he said in the statement that he put on Twitter uh, upon announcing that he wouldn't be back at ASU next semester was uh, very classy. He said he appreciated uh, all the coaches and he learned a lot more, got into a religion more, um, became a better person, but that he felt like the offensive scheme wasn't the best fit for him. I actually agree with him in that respect. I think uh, this is more trending more in, in, in the way of an air raid type of an offense with Chip Lindsey. That's um, not the type of offense that has these bigger 250-pound running backs. He's more of a pro-style back that you want to have a quarterback under center and you want to have a, a, that running back at a deep depth and he can get build-up speed and be able to get those toss sweeps and things of that nature. Um, and and I think he would be well advised to go to that type of a, a, an offense and school. Uh, of course, he's also going to have to continue to mature and, and get better in a lot of the ways that uh, he demonstrated weren't all the way there yet at, a, at ASU. Now, if ASU returns Balaj and Richard as expected next year for their senior seasons, then the not having Jason Lewis really is a non-factor for ASU in the short term. Of course, you have Nick Ralston there who looks like he's, he's capable of playing successfully at this level to some degree. Uh, Trey Turner, redshirt of this year. I wasn't as high on him in the ASU class, and, and we didn't see anything that, that led us to believe that he's gonna be like a breakout player in the in the next year or two for ASU uh, they have one uh, running back commitment already in the fold and that's Traylon Smith from Houston who had a really successful season he's much more in the mold of the type of air raid quick agile elusive uh, 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 inside zone runners that you see who can also probably uh, make plays on the edge, catch the ball out of the backfield and things of that nature. And, and now ASU's uh, looking to uh, add a, an additional running back. Um, you want to have about five or six running backs uh, in your program, and, and they now have uh, five who will be uh, with them in 2017, assuming everybody returns and they get uh, Traylon Smith signed. So with Jason Lewis's announcement, attrition has begun from the ASU program. It's natural, happens to every program every offseason, but it'll be a very interesting cycle to follow this offseason as ASU's personnel changes. The Sun Devil recruiting class will uh, really begin to take shape in the near future as the Sun Devils are uh, closing in on the mid-year signing uh a few weeks away. Exactly. So we're closing in on December right now, Chris, and we'll have a lot more on the site on sundevilsource.com about that throughout the month of December, throughout the month of January. And we'll also have a lot more on the state of the program on our premium podcast, which will be released this week. So if you're interested in that, be sure to sign up. Hit the join button on the top right side of the page on sundevilsource.com because, as I said, we will have a lot of content coming your way. Yeah, we're... Uh, this week, going over every single individual position group and recruiting uh, comprehensive roster overviews. Uh, ASU is going to have a big recruiting weekend on December 9th. Uh, we're talking about more than a half dozen prospects coming in. Could be as many as 10 to 12. Uh, coaching staff is on the road, in-home visits. 
Uh, we're keeping you up to date on what's going on behind the scenes with uh, coaching, uh, possible other player transfers. I think there probably will be some more uh, coming down the pike at some point, maybe not until after the spring, but we'll have to, to stay tuned to that. Uh, and, and absolutely, this is a time of year where there is a lot that goes on that isn't on the playing field. And, a lot, and that's kind of uh, where we have the ability to really uh, uh, convey a lot to our premium audience. And so that's something that we look forward to being able to do for you. So that will do it for this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast for publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Thank you so much. And we'll be, of course, having podcasts throughout the off season. So if you enjoyed our show during the regular season, you want to stay tuned. We will have plenty of content coming your way. A lot more interviews coming of ASU Athletic Department officials and coaches and other people to give you a a 360-degree perspective of this uh, ASU Athletics. All right, that'll do it. Have a great week.